How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of your favorite Swimbait podcast, Scales and Tails, episode 110 tonight. We're joined by a Swimbait angler, which I'm sure you guys probably already knew, but uh, th- this gentleman does does something a little bit different. Last time we had a guy who, who Swimbait fishes like this, it was uh, Kevin from Canal Cowboy, and that was, it feels like so long ago, maybe like episode 70 or 80, I'm not even sure. But uh, we're joined by Mr. Josh LaPro... Lepressed? Lepressed? Lepressed. There you go. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, we're, so we're joined by Josh, who is yet another swim bait guy who, who's down in Florida. And, um, you know, I'm sure he probably catches a bass or two, but he's primarily going after these big snook and stuff. And these episodes are always super fun to talk to these guys who, who fish swim baits and who aren't catching bass. You know, that's probably what 90% of us are doing, but there's that 10% that it's just just super cool to pick their brains and hear what they got to say. So I'll let Josh introduce himself, kind of say who he is and, and what he does, and then we'll obviously get into the questions tonight and then pick his brain on on what uh, how wicked snook fishing is with swim baits. Dude, awesome. Well, first off, thank you for having me. I'm super appreciative of this opportunity that you're giving me to shed some light on some things that people don't really get to see or hear about, you know, every single day. And uh, secondly, to introduce myself, uh, my name is Josh Lepress. I am a primarily inshore fisherman, but I'm a well-rounded fisherman down here in the southeast region of Florida. I'm also a waterfowl hunter. Um, I'm 24 years old, and I was born and raised down here in the southeast region fishing basically as long as I can remember. So, um, yeah. That's me, and that's uh, what I've been doing as of oh, yeah, dude. recently. So, so waterfowl hunting down there, I'm pretty big into duck hunting and goose hunting and stuff. That is probably dude. quite the, it's probably quite different down in Florida compared to up here in Michigan, I'm sure. You guys probably have like a lot of wood ducks and stuff? Uh, well, in certain regions, actually, we do have a lot of wood ducks, but it's actually some duck hunting that you never really would... Uh, imagine you know it's kind of like that louisiana-esque type dusk duck hunting but almost more florida style because when you're down here hunting you're in the everglades especially Mm. right here where i'm hunting in the southeast region and you know broward county and palm beach county those areas you're hunting literally in the everglades in the middle of sawgrass and you're hunting over hydrilla and you're hunting puddle ducks and the opportunities that you get, I mean, we're shooting anywhere from, you know, three species to eight species every time we go out and hunt, which is a crazy, crazy, uh, experience. And uh, honestly, if you ever get down here, we should definitely link up and do, do a duck hunt. Cause, uh, season's right around the corner. I'm sure, you know, yeah, dude, Everglades, you're talking about running into, uh, those big ass snakes. What are those big ass invasive snakes down there? Uh, those Burmese pythons, man. Yeah. I actually know uh I got some good buddies who actually go and chase those things and they're catching snakes that are ten foot plus and it's freaking crazy, dude. It's crazy stuff to even fathom that those snakes are out there big enough to eat alligators and deer and stuff like that. It's unbelievable. It really is. Yeah, I mean that group of kids just caught that what, like eighteen footer a couple of weeks ago? Like, dude, oh, that is wild. That. Dude, so crazy. Florida's honestly, I, I'm biased because I live here, but it's honestly one of the coolest places in terms of like all wildlife, dude. It's such a melting pot for everything. I mean, the amount of life that you're going to find down here, especially where we live, especially is um, 
pretty wild. I mean, from the lizards down to the snakes, down to the fish. I mean, it's pretty, uh, pretty full down here. It's awesome. Yeah, dude, it's like the light version of Australia. Like, you guys just have just such wicked shit down there. Like, some of the fish I see, like those big black fish with like the armor on it and shit like you guys are catching in ponds and stuff like dude that is so crazy to see compared to up here where we just have like you know the main 12 species of fish and that's about it you know you don't catch something and you're like what the hell is this thing because it's just it's all the same stuff definitely and it's so cool to see especially like if you're strictly a freshwater guy there's so much opportunity down here and i see that a lot of people have taken advantage of that over the years whereas i would shy away from stuff like that because to me it's normal it's the norm you know but um to these other people who are coming down and really trying to check their species lists off um it's really cool to see that people come down here and take advantage of that and florida is one of those places that's a destination spot for people to come and cross those species off of their list and potentially you know catch fish of lifetime and it's always been a place that's had that uh that uh kind of nature behind it and people always knew that when they come down here they're always going to get into something like that which is cool yeah dude it's it's just such a different world down there and speaking of like checking off species on on people's like bucket lists and stuff how did you end up getting into fishing it sounds like you know waterfowl hunting is something big too but what was what was the start for you to to kind of get into fishing and, and stick with it so for me, as long as I can remember, I've been on a boat, and that's thanks to my dad. Um, so to answer your question, my dad is the one who's gotten me. He created the monster in me when it comes to hunting and fishing. I've been doing it for as long as I can remember, and that's because of him. Um, when I was younger, he was more of an offshore fisherman, you know, blackfin tuna, mahi, pelagics, with stuff that he would be chasing. And um, as I was old, as I got old enough. Um, he sold the boat and I basically started growing up when I could really learn how to fish for myself, bass fishing. And, um, me and him definitely, uh, kicked it off together that way. And he was definitely not the inshore fisherman that he is today. And I kind of think that we definitely piggybacked off of each other when I was growing up because he bought a bay boat when I had to be. Um, I think probably 10 or 11 and or so in there. And we had no idea what was going on. Right. But it was just the, that was the whole entrance into the new world for me where I was, you know, intrigued by catching snook, tarpon, all the inshore species. But, um, to fast forward to what it really, what I really got interested in snook fishing is, um, down here you kind of have a system where it's very unique, especially the region that I am specifically in Broward County. If you look at the map, you can see that the intercoastal waterways do not stop. Like if you follow them from the ocean, they go all the way inland, 20 minutes, 30 minutes inland. I don't know how many miles, but they go all the way inland, all the way till they get into the Everglades and some of them all the way till they flow to Lake Okeechobee and whatnot. And, etc etc and so with that being said you know if those waterways are wide open that the opportunities that you can have of the different fish that are going to be back in there are crazy and i just really realized that in the past couple years but 
to come back to mm, talking about my dad, he had a job where he worked when I was probably like 10 or 11 years old. And it was right across the street from this very well-known spillway. And a lot of people know in this area where this place is at. I'm sure if they grew up in Broward County, they, every, they fished this before. And back in the day, it wasn't overfished as much. And, you know, the fishing nowadays has been, I feel like, a lot more than what it has been. The fish have been pressured a lot more since they have been, what, 15 years ago now? And I just remember being 20 minutes plus away from the beach. That's all I could understand when I was, you know, 10, 11 years old. And I was looking at tarpon rolling and I was catching snook and hooking these fish in in a place that I was like, you know, I, I usually target these things in the ocean. How is this possible? And from that day, I was just absolutely obsessed with targeting them because it was something that you could do without a boat, you know? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Three words, Lake Pro Tackle. Lake Pro Tackle has all the fishing equipment you need to have success on the water. Friends of the podcast will receive 15% off their order with code SCALES at checkout. On their website, you can find exclusive and rare baits as well as rods and reels to have that dream combo. Check out their social media pages for constant updates with new arrivals. Lastly, orders over $50 get free fast shipping. Remember to use code SCALES, all cap locks, to save 15% off on your orders at lakeprotackle.com. A vast majority of double-digit bass caught in Mexico are caught out of two lakes, Lake Bacharac and Lake El Salto. Josh Daniels Pro Bass Adventures Mexico is the only outfitter in Mexico with lodges on both of these trophy lakes. For an experience like no other, call Pro Bass Adventures, 480-491-9300 or probassadventures.com. We are Mexico Fishing. Your favorite swimbait podcast is now proudly sponsored by Leviathan Rods. Leviathan Rods is a Texas-based fishing rod company that's handcrafted and uses high-end, made-in-the-USA rod blades. Every sale from Leviathan helps support foster youth and their families. With Leviathan Rods, you're not only going to feel a difference, but you're going to help make a difference, too. Friends of the show will also get 20% off their rod purchases by using code SCALES20 at checkout. So whether you're fishing a depth 250 or a square bill, make sure you're using the best rod choice out there, Leviathan Rods. Yeah, it there's an appeal to being able to catch like just wicked game fish from shore. I mean, I think that's kind of what brings the draw to like the salmon and steelhead and trout fishing up here in Michigan is that you can do it in a five foot river or creek and you can do it out of a boat. Like there's just so many ways to target these fish. It makes it really easy for anybody to to go out and do it and then also fall in love with it. And it's like, oh my gosh, like I can buy a $2,000 rod and reel setup and I never have to worry about a boat payment or, you know, it's just, it's so easily available and there's so many options to do it. It's hard not to fall in love with it. 
Exactly. It almost puts the opportunity that you have in your own hands. It's just how much you're willing to work for the bite that you're after. You know what I mean? And that's why fishing is something that I've always loved because no matter how skillful you get, you, you can always learn something from every single time you go out and fish. And it doesn't matter how many times you've been to the, for example, the same spot or what conditions it is. It's always something that you can pick on up on different that you can use to your advantage to make yourself a better fisherman. And that's why I love it. Yeah, dude, it, it's so crazy. So I grew up in Alabama for a handful of years, but I was like so young. I wasn't really into fishing. Like, uh, we like right down the road from our house was a, it was a little Creek and there used to be like some fat gar and stuff and they're like nothing, you know, no six, seven foot monsters. But it was something that I always just thought was so cool. Like my dad would go down there and catch these gar and he would show me, I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so cool. And I never got into it. But dude, if I grew up in Florida and like being able to, to see these snook and tarpon and stuff, like I, I got to imagine that I probably would have gotten into it and I would have never wanted to leave. And I'm sure that's probably the same for you too. From that young age, you're like, I can never go anywhere where these fish aren't, you know, being, aren't able to be caught. <laughs> Yeah, dude, it's definitely something that's kept me here. It's, it's, I mean, snook fishing alone is something that is so special to me that it will keep me here probably my whole life, to be honest with you. It's really special. And honestly, my favorite, even though you can catch them in so many different ways, I will say land-based fishing for them in brackish water scenarios, there's really nothing like it because those fish are smart, you know? They're not, I mean, I'm not going to say they're like, um they're not wild fish but they're super smart man they're obviously wild but they don't have the tendencies that a regular you know snook out in the wild would is what i'm trying to say and they act differently and they're they're very keen on certain things and so being able to catch one is very especially in this area it's uh it makes me pretty freaking stoked i'm not gonna lie it's not an easy task um and Fort Lauderdale is, is a close city to me, and we actually have a, a lot of water quality issues going on. And uh, to raise a little bit of awareness about it, if you guys that are listening don't know much about what's going on, they're basically putting in more, pl- uh, more toilets and showers in Fort Lauderdale than they have room to. And uh, we're getting sewer pipes bursting and all sorts of stuff like that where we're getting contaminated waters in like all up in the areas of Fort Lauderdale where people are actively living and swimming and, you know, boating and stuff like that. So, uh, my theory is the fishing has gotten a lot worse because, uh, people don't care much about the water quality more as they care about the money that's coming down to South Florida when it comes to people living down here, which is sad. So. Yeah, it does make snook fishing uh, tough for this area, but it does, there's opportunities everywhere. It just depends how much you love it, you know. Yeah, is that the uh, is that like the red algae, or is that something completely different? Like the stuff that's happening in the in Okeechobee, like with the huge fish kills, is that the same thing or something way different? It's something different. So what's happening is there's literally so many people moving down here. There's so many places being built that are new. Yeah. And the sewer, like the, the pipes, the pipe systems under the ground can't, aren't like big enough to support all the new places being put in and they're Mm -hmm. bursting and all that like septic water 
is going in straight into the intercoastal. And Damn, people, there's a lot of local captains advocating for it down here, but it seems to be a problem that uh, continues, which is really sad because the fishing has definitely been affected by it heavily, um, especially in like this specific area, Fort Lauderdale, for years now. I mean, Fort Lauderdale fishing, like I was saying 15 years ago, is night and day compared to what it is today. But there's a certain few lo- there's a certain few amount of locals that know what they're doing and can still pull a few fish out. But it's definitely a grind, that's for sure. Yeah, I will say I work in a, a three year old apartment complex, and I know that uh, new it doesn't matter if it's new construction or old construction. It just seems like stuff nowadays is just crumpling, falling apart. You know, we have plumbing issues all the time, and so it's not a surprise to hear them doing all this new construction and stuff just you know not not withstanding or holding up to all this all this new traffic and everything that is it's actually crazy do you think it's that you know people see um like all the tourists that come down and go out in the ocean and stuff so it's not raising a concern to them as far as like the economy and stuff goes or do people just not give a shit i think the the floridian government just doesn't give a shit and they just see um, the amount of people that want to move down here is, I mean, astronomical right now. And so the more people that, I mean, there's more people that are wanting to move down here than there are houses and apartments and condos. So they are literally just like, fuck it, let them move down here. We're just going to keep building wherever we can and not worry about the infrastructure of what's going on. And hopefully it holds up <laughs> and it hasn't been holding up. And, uh, there's a, only a select few people who are mad about it, and that's the people who are, you know, making a living off of Fort Lauderdale waterways. The few charter captains that are still out there that still go out every day out of Port Everglades, and uh, basically that's it. I mean, I'm sure there's uh, more than just that, but those are the people who I really see pushing for a change down here. But um, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it's going to take it's going to take a lot because it's an ongoing battle that I feel like is not going in the favor of the fishermen at this point. Damn, dude, that's fucking, that's crazy. And it's just unfortunate to hear. I mean, that's just so wild that it's gone this far and there's just really no sign of it stopping or anybody, anybody high up enough caring about it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's absolutely sick, to be honest. Oh, fuck, dude. I guess on a lighter note, when you know, 15, 15 years ago, when when the fishing was better and all this hadn't started to happen yet, and when you got into it, what were what were you? I guess when you got into it, what were you fishing with? Was it just kind of, I guess, quote unquote, conventional snook stuff? And and if that's what it was, can you explain that? Because I'm sure, yeah. like many of the listeners, I've got no idea, dude. When you say like, oh, I'm going to fish for snook, I just imagine a hook with like a, a squid, like a squid looking bait tied onto it. What, what was, uh, <laughs> what was what you were starting with? I guess. Yeah. So a little bit of background about me is I'm a tackle snob nowadays, man. I mean, I love my nice shit. I love expensive stuff and I'm not rich. So I'm going to just put that in perspective, but before I obviously couldn't, I didn't have any, I didn't have a job when I was 10 years old or anything like that. So I was just using my dad's stuff. But um, yeah, the generic 
setup that I would use. And I, at, at first I'd be live bait fishing for them because I wasn't really developed to a point where I knew enough about snook themselves to get into, uh, I wasn't interested in targeting with the artificial them with the artificial yet because I haven't caught many of them t- at this point, and so I would basically use a Shimano forty five hundred. My dad had two of these. He had a Shimano forty five hundred B bait runner, and he had a Shimano sixty five hundred B bait runner with fifty pound monofilament leader. And this was before braided line had come out, and. uh or leader, sorry, monofilament line, and I would just use 60-pound leader. And uh, to a, probably about a 4-aught to a 6-aught circle hook or J-hook, depending on your preference and depending on the size of the bait. And uh, that would be your generic setup, and you could either free line or use either a popping cork or a bobber or any sort of float basically as an indicator and that's what i would do at first just because i really wanted to catch one of these things and i didn't really know much and what i was doing at this point was um my dad would just take me when i didn't have school every single time i didn't have school i would have him take me to work with him and he would just go to work and i would just walk right across the street to the spillway and i would just sit there all day and no matter what was going on I'd sit there all day, whether it was flowing, whether it was not flowing, and I would just, you know, fish. And I'm the, I was that kind of kid who could sit with a fishing rod in his hand and not catch anything all day and not be bored. So that's what I would do. And uh, we'd be using baits from, you know, f- big mullet that were anywhere up to 10 inches, which in hindsight now I think is like a snack. But yeah. <laughs> back in the day to me, that was like super big. And, um, yeah, we'd be using mullet, big mullet, small mullet. I know you got, you guys might know the species that we have down here that are like panfish. We have cichlids, which, yep, uh, yeah. the specific species is mine cichlids that a lot of people like to use for bait and are bluegills. Snook aren't greedy when it comes back to fishing and form in the brackish water systems. I mean, whatever they can eat, they will eat. And, uh that's that's what that's how i tried to target them and uh i ended up um when i was like 11 years old or 12 years old i think this is like my first nightmare story snook fishing and it was like the first big snook i'd ever had i was uh sitting there all day and it was like just coming down to like four or five o'clock in the afternoon like i was my dad was just about to get off his job and um I'm sitting there, I had no bait, and I see these little, uh, this little school of finger mullet, so probably like four to six inch silver mullet, and there's two species of mullet, black mullet, which are the big giant ones, and then the silver mullet, which are smaller, brighter, kind of more frantic, I would say. Not that the black mullet aren't frantic, but they're bigger, so they're, you know, beefy, kind of more like a hardier bait than a silver mullet would be but anyways i got one of these uh i got a treble hook because i didn't have a cast net or anything like that and mullet are very hard to get to eat any bait on a hook and luckily i ended up snagging one with a treble hook and sure enough when i hooked that thing on put it right up against the spillway and it wasn't probably 10 minutes and it got freaking it looked like somebody dropped a cinder block in the water on yeah. top of it and I set the hook 
And long story short, I had this snook that was probably like, like 20 pounds. And it was close to that 40 inch mark that everybody chases down here. Everybody likes to measure a, a big snook by, uh, whether or not it's 40 inches, which is kind of ridiculous in my opinion. I think you should go for weight, like how people, you know, fish for bass. Cause you know, a length of a fish can differ a lot in terms of weight. Um, but I had this fish up on the bank and I, I was, uh, by myself and this other fisherman was there and he looked super serious. He was an older guy and he was wearing like the short shorts. He had the boga grip with the flyers on his hip and he had the buff on with the visor and he looked like he had his own TV show. And I'm like, all right, I, I need to ask this guy if he can land my fish for me. Cause this is my this was my biggest, like, I think I had caught like probably like five or six or so up to this point, but they were small. And this one was by far the biggest. And this guy, typically when you go to land a snook, it's very much like a bass. I mean, if you don't have a net, you just put your thumb in its mouth and open its mouth and just hang on and you got him. Especially if it's a big one, you just got to hold on. And that's basically it. And so this guy basically pulls out his his like boga grips and this fish is i have this fish like flipped on the shore and this fish is like flipping over and over and over for like 30 seconds and it was like in slow motion for me while this guy is trying to get this boga grip in this fish's mouth and if you don't know what a boga grip is it's just like a fish gripper and long story short the snook have a really sharp gill plate and doesn't matter. You could be using a 130 pound leader. If they get that leader under their gill plate, they'll cut it. And, uh, yeah, he ended up flipping the wrong way, cutting my line and flopping right back in the water. And, uh, that, that day has stuck with me all the way till now. And I tell this story because, um, I went home or I went to the lake right after this and my friend that I had just met there for the first time, he was in my neighborhood at my lake that I always fish at. I'd never seen him before. And he was a kid my age. His name is Harrison. And this kid was also a snook fisherman at my age. So we were very similar and he gave me his number one day that day and whatever i went home and the next day he sends me a picture of a giant freaking snook and it was very similar to the size that i had and from that day on it was like me and him that was like our only goal was to chase these fish together and it was freaking crazy and how much we fished together it was almost every day that we were chasing these fish but as we got older the opportunities only got bit uh better and better for us obviously with uh more knowledge and more money and transportation and all that kind of stuff and we were able to figure more stuff out which was awesome yeah were you guys only fishing the one across from your dad's work like right there or were you guys even before you were older did was there ones closer that you guys could bike to or anything or was it just pounding this cert this only this certain one geez if i can talk so i went we went to that one or I went to that one often just because I had the opportunity with my dad uh, working right across the street. Um, but he actually told me 
about this lake in my neighborhood growing up that again was like 25 minutes inland probably like 20 miles from the beach and literally not even five minutes from where we were living i mean walking and he he sent me a picture of a snook that was i mean 30 pound fish it was humongous and like i was saying when we were younger up until this point um all we did was lie bait for him because we didn't know enough about him. But to kind of fast forward up into, you know, the interesting stuff, the artificial fishing for them, it got to a point where we were old enough to drive. We obviously had technology where iPhones had come out at this point, And we had the means to look at the map and see where these fish could be based off of the water systems that we have around us. And so basically what that meant is just staring at the map and following the map and can really be your friend. If you like the more time you spend on the map, you will be successful fishing down here. And that is something that I'm super keen on doing. And so me and him, like I was saying, had all these things going for us and we knew all these places. And for me specifically, I just got bored sitting in one place, you know, I got bored sitting in one place with a bobber and just waiting for a fish to take it. I felt like I was, I, I had more to fishing in me than just sitting in one place. And not only that, even when I did go live bait fishing, I feel like it was more of a hassle for me. It added, you know, so much more time. You got to go catch bait first off. And sometimes that's not always the easiest. And if you don't catch bait, then what are you going to do? You don't have a plan B usually. And, um, and even if you do end up catching bait, it's a, it's a mess. You get dirty, you get smelly and you got to mm-hmm. lug so much, so much more gear with you. And basically for me, I just thought it was a really big inconvenience. So I, I nudged him and I was like, dude, we should just start going to these spots. I don't know what gave me the urge to do this, but I told him that we should just start going to all these spots that we've been fishing, but going with artificial lures and just walking around. And I bet that we would be bound to get something. And that's really when I saw success doing that, that's really when I started shying off of using live bait for sure. And it, that's when I realized it's more so being how persistent you can be rather than you know, trying to get the right bite. Like I could, I would rather go ahead and fish three times in a row, casting thousands of times and not get a bite than go catch 10 okay fish on live bait. You know what I mean? I'd rather wait to get that right bite in three sessions than go catch a bunch in one session on live bait, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, dude, like just even when I was younger and like watching these guys, you know, on YouTube, like you're, you're 12, 13 and you're watching, you know, videos and guys are live line and big bluegill for bass or just whatever it may be. There was just never an appeal there to me. Like it just seemed like, you know, it was, it was quote unquote too easy. I mean, obviously you still have to get it in front of fish and stuff like that, but it was like, that was the hardest part was, was, you know, like you said, catching the bait and then getting the bait to where it needed to be. It didn't matter if, if you, you know, jerked it too early, like if it was a jerk bait to, to get it going or just whatever, like 
it was like, okay, this is me wanting to go out and catch a fish and doing like dang near the bare minimum and, and just kind of coasting exactly. through catching a fish. Exactly. Exactly. Like if the conditions are right, you know, if you get the bait that you're going to have a good day. Right. Whereas sometimes fishing with a swim bait, it depends, it depends on what you're, what kind of swim bait you're fishing, but it makes a difference what your skill level is. And I think that that's a, a really cool aspect of getting into swim bait fishing. It really um, makes you a better fisherman in my opinion. And like you're able to cover so much, like when, when I'm sure when you picked up your artificial baits and went and got to walk around the spillway and stuff, I'm sure you, you could fish that place three times over by the time you would have casted a, a, a mullet in, in most of the, you know, the quote unquote fishy areas. You could, you could just walk around and pick everything apart two, three times over by the time you let that minnow soak enough to cast it again into a new spot. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, the way that we would fish is we would sit there and won't literally in one spot for hours. Like we'd sit in the most fishy spot for hours and just set the poles on the ground and just wait for the clickers to go off. And, uh, to give you a little idea of what we were using at this point when we were fishing the first looking tarp and we were using Calcutta 400s on uh, shorter swim bait sticks, probably like seven foot six to seven foot eight. And we had the versions that had the clicker so we could keep them in clicker when we would uh, wait for the bite. And uh, yeah, it seemed to be a really awesome, uh, awesome way to fish for them at that point. Um, but like I was saying, I really wanted to shy away from that because at this point I knew where a lot of places where I could find these brackish water fish in these freshwater areas. And I, like I said, was just sick and tired of sitting in one spot for hours. And growing up, I was super intrigued in the big swim baits, but I didn't have the, you know, I didn't have a computer or I didn't have the first iPhones growing up or anything like that. So, I didn't know, I didn't even know how to buy anything online or, you know, how people operate today. Everything's bought online. But for me, like big swim baits, all it was just an obsession for me at that point that I couldn't really get my hands on. It was kind of just like a out of reach kind of thing for me. But I would love watching these guys in California and all these places on big water throwing the huds because that's what it seemed that every big bass fisherman that was throwing swim baits was throwing was huddlestons when at least when i was looking it up when i was younger and um i always had those in my mind it was like man i really i really want to use those huddlestons you really want to use those huddlestons but i never really got my hands on one and um i started using like the next best things and that was uh like the the storm swim baits and stuff like that it's crazy mm -hmm. to think how much the uh the the swim bait game has evolved in you know whatever it's been 15 years or whatever but yeah there really wasn't much to use back in the day and uh i remember there was this one specific paddle tail i would use and it was called the bruiser bait and that was like an eight inch ribbed not as aggressively as like a kai tech but it was an eight inch ribbed bone color slender profile paddle tail and that was like one of the only baits that and i think there was one called like hammer tail paddle tail baits and those were like the only two that you'd be able to get back then 
And one day I came across this video on YouTube by the company named Hoagie Lures. Have you ever heard of them? Uh, not off the top of my head. I have not. So this lure is a soft plastic lure. Well, they make a whole bunch of different, you know, designs and molds and stuff. But the one that I like to use is basically a straight, it's like a straight tail lure. And it's basically, if I can compare it to anything like a fluke, but without a, without a split tail, it's just okay. like a long eel profile or slug profile kind of deal. And for whatever reason, I really had a good feeling about using this lure specifically in these brackish water areas. And I told my friend, I was like, at like on a whim, I was at his house one day and it was like one in the morning. And I said, dude, let's go fish this spot. And, uh, it was a golf course. And I said, let me go fish. Let's go fish this spot and walk all these places and give it a couple hours and only fish artificials and see what's up. And he agreed. And it was just weird. It was spontaneous because, I mean, we never, I mean, one in the morning now to me, like, again, doesn't sound crazy. But back then, it was just like, who does that? And at that age, and I guess that's what we, that's what we did out of, out of pure wit, I guess. I don't know. We ended up going and I tied on this eight inch, like I was saying, eight inch hoagie. It was all black. And I told my friend tied it on too. And I had it tied on with a screw lock hook and a no belly weight. So it was a weightless screw lock hook. And I modified the rigging by tying a small trace of fluorocarbon. I think it was 60 pound fluorocarbon to the belly of the hook after it was rigged. And I tied a small, like maybe like number four treble hook off of the back of that trace and just buried it into the tail of this lure and what was so crazy to me is with this style lure you would i'd like i would cast it out and the action that i would get out of it was just a straight i would just straight retrieve it and it wouldn't have any action it would just come through the water straight and for whatever reason these fish Love it. And that's a lure that I still use today in multiple scenarios. When you're trying to emulate a bigger profile bait, an eight inch mullet or something like that, this was a, a super good presentation. And I, I had seen this YouTube video and I said, I'm going to try that. And I ended up doing it. But that modified rigging that I did with the stinger hook was something that I just had a feeling about. And, um, we ended up fishing. It was like 1.30 in the morning. And we fished all these normal spots that we would fish with live bait and all these places. And we didn't get anything. And then all of a sudden, I had probably like a 40-pound tarpon swirl at this thing right at my feet. And I'm like, holy shit, dude. And that was like, even though I didn't hook the fish, I was like, wow. You know, I don't have to use live bait. And that was kind of like the first time where I was like, holy cow, you know, like it's almost like a light bulb went off in my head. And I had like that feeling for the first time ever. I was like, I was like, my legs were shaking a little bit. I was all fired up and I was like, holy cow, dude, this is actually something that, that can work. 
and we can catch these big fish and trick them using stuff like this, which I thought was absolutely amazing. Um, okay, so, so then later on that night, um, we're walking back to the truck, and after we had fished, or after I'd gotten that bite, my friend was right next to me, and once he sees that, you know, any sort of action, he's the kind of guy that wants to stay for a long time, so yeah, <laughs> we ended up putting in, like, another two hours after that, and it was like maybe 3:45 in the morning and this is a super long golf course and we're at it's like a par 5 or something and we're on like one of the holes that was a a long hole that like a you would use a driver for and we're sitting at the tee box and it's pitch black at night and I'm looking up by the by the green and I parked right across the, there's a fence right next to the green where, where the car path would be and that's where i usually park and so we're making our way back to the to my car with you know a little bit of action with that one bite but no success and it's like 3 45 in the morning and we're typically not used to this kind of fishing at this point so we're tired we're walking back and i look up and i'm looking at the green and it looked like people were just jumping in the water, like doing cannonballs in the water. It was crazy. I'd never seen this happen at the spot before, even to this day. I mean, it must've been a pot of like maybe 10 plus fish. And I mean, I told my friend, I look at him and I go run and me and him just start sprinting fast as we can. And as first, like we got there, first cast both of us double hooked up on those hoagie baits and he he ended up pulling hook on his and i forgot to mention my setup that i was using in this uh in this uh fishing trip i didn't have any setups for big swim bait fishing so i think i was using like a daiwa tatula 200 on like some cheap offshore angler like 12 to 20 (laughs) yeah like seven foot six or maybe seven foot eight whatever just not not a quality rod at all and uh i'm stuck into this fish that's he was probably pushing 18 20 pounds and it was right around that i think it was right on that 40 inch mark but i'm fighting this thing essentially on a bass rod and a bass setup and i like this was the most my adrenaline has been going like in my fishing career up until this point i think i was probably like 16 or something like that and uh and long story short it 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 took me up and down all around and i ended up uh i ended up winning the fight and from that day on it was like it was like a whole different thing and changed in me like i i realized that you know even though you can lie bait and it's effective, like it's so much more gratifying to chase them and catch them on artificials. For sure. Yeah, dude. Dude, that just sounds so freaking wicked. I, after you guys, after you landed yours and he had gotten his, did uh, did you got, did they kind of stop, stop, you know, that busting like that or were they still going? Yeah, so they stopped. So he hooked his and pulled hooks, so he lost it immediately. And then I caught mine 
and then I think it was like a few months later we went back and there was no surface action like there was that day but it was very similar where it was late at night same thing and my friend was using a I can't believe he caught this fish on this setup he was using a die I think it was a Daiwa Tatula spinner but it's a 2k he's using a Daiwa Tatula 2000 with like 10 pound braid 10 to 15 pound braid 20 pound leader and he's got that uh or 20 pound braid i think 30 pound leader and he's got the hoagie tied on and he caught this snook in the same spot that probably had to be pushing 30 pounds and on a 2000 oh and the rod was like a 66 ultralight forgot to mention that he he freaking and i'm like he thought he was stuck and then the freaking thing just starts moving and i'm like dude holy cow and once i saw it i was like dude you have no business catching this fish at all and he i couldn't believe it he did it was nuts it was freaking crazy as hell so after that did you guys were you guys like oh my gosh we need to buy all these swim baits we can in case you know just to make sure nobody else finds out about them or what was what was kind of the thought the next morning so i really don't think even to this day i mean they're popular um but not a lot of people really really use them down here as much as i as i as i would like you know as much as i use them but um yeah me and him definitely took took uh took note and using those and uh we've used them in a lot of different scenarios and have produced a lot of good bites with them um but kind of to get into where i got like into the traditional swim bait game like you know to where the stuff that you guys all know all the bass swim baits and stuff people are using in california and stuff like that it was probably like hmm i would say four years ago now or so i would i would be watching so i graduated from college i would say two to three years ago now or so and um i think two years ago closer to and uh once i got out of college you know i got my own job and all that stuff making my own money paying my own bills so i was able to buy my own stuff and um while i was still in college i was watching all these people like uh i'm sure you're familiar with ben milliken from six cents yeah yep ben milliken and there's this other guy on the west coast that also likes to travel to japan that's really big in the swim bait culture his name's like crazy bass fisher i think yeah i just had i just had him on the podcast the other day jeffrey's his name yeah jeffrey yeah exactly and i've i've been watching him for a few years and there's this one um angler that fishes i think out of north dakota that throws big swim baits sometimes called like nd yak angler and then um yeah i've had those guys uh on my radar for a long time and uh ben milliken is somebody that i think is just a really good big bait fisherman i mean a lot of people hate on him because of the way that he fishes with his live scope but i just think that if you got it you got it and he definitely has it when it comes to swim bait fishing and uh i always wanted uh 
a draw from Sixth Sense. And um, that was like my entrance into the glide bait game. And uh, fast forward, I think what, like maybe a year and a half ago or so, I had been using um, big baits before this, like other than hoagies, and to give some shouts, I use the Savage Gear Pulse Tail Mullet. I've also used like the big head and spooks, the bone colored spooks that people would like, like the eight, seven to eight inch ones. I'd also had used um, like the big Z-Man Hercules fluke. I don't know if they called it that back in the day, but they had the big style fluke. Also big paddle tails and stuff like that. But honestly, up until like probably four years ago or five years ago, there really wasn't much in terms of big artificial baits to use for inshore fish. Like I think in 2016 spool tech came out. Have you heard of that company before? Spool tech. Let me look them up. It sounds super familiar. So basically it has a multi-function head. So it has like a hard head and a soft tail. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen these before. Yeah, and when you set the hook into a fish, like a wire comes out of the head. And supposedly, well, what, not supposedly, what it does is it's supposed to um, stop the take fish the, from shaking the hook from yeah, having it takes the, the leverage. The head. Exactly. And um, yeah, that, that bait was like $20 back in the day when it first came out. And like that was, you know, for, for everybody, it was like, holy shit, it's so expensive. But, like I like to think that uh the swim bait game is uh more for yourself and not your wallet, that's for sure. <laughs> um Well I'm trying to think well I was just about to say I kinda lost my train of thought. Oh you're good, man. Yeah, it uh it's interesting to hear you talk about like what this experience is like for you, because I'm sure you probably tried to get on YouTube and look up, you know, snook swim bait fishing and there was probably, you know, absolutely nothing out there for you to watch like that. Exactly. That's what I was starting to get at is that there was like, um, there, there really wasn't much out there to target these big snook in terms of big lures. And so, um, really just recently, there's been a lot of evolution going on in terms of like what's coming out for lures for inshore fishing, which I'm so happy that people are starting to tap into the big baits in the saltwater world. Um, but yeah, um so i was watching ben and i think what happened that really got me to go into like committing to getting a glide bait was that i actually got it my first glide bait as a gift and i didn't spend the money on it and i ended up getting the thrill of getting a bite on that expensive bait without having to spend the money and automatically I was a believer and I was like, dude, fuck it. I don't care that the draw is 75 bucks, man. Yeah. It's fucking worth it. Um, but that, I think that that I'll tell you that story because I think that fish is, um, I think it's really what started this whole entire fish and foul. Um, if you guys don't know, my Instagram is fish and foul underscore Florida. And I really wasn't trying to do anything crazy with it, but um, I ended up this this fish that I'm about to tell you about is 
really what started it all. I ended up starting this uh, page just to, you know, get away from my personal page and all those, you know, random people that I had following me from, you know, my whole life experiences on that page. And I wanted to get more of like a page for myself posting you know, waterfowl hunting pictures and fish pictures at will, you know, every day if I wanted to every other day. So I just wanted a page that I really didn't care about. And um, I ended up also around two years ago um, finding out about this website called Snook Snacks, which is owned by uh, Kevin Hartman, a.k.a. Canal Cowboy. And I also saw him putting in a lot of work on glide baits and i also had bought a bunch of these savage gear swim baits that he sells on his website because he likes to do a lot of the same fishing as you guys know so i was buying stuff from him and i hadn't bought any glide baits yet but i saw that he really was going in and doing a lot of good fishing catching a lot of good fish on him and i i was paying a lot of attention to Ben Milliken and he's somebody who's influenced my swim bait game and the way that the style that I fish my swim baits is uh primarily uh because of him honestly and with that being said I've watched a lot of his videos and done a lot of research and on not just his videos but uh videos and looking up what swim baits swim with what action and just basically seeing the comparisons on what baits looked like what and getting into that whole thing. And I really, for whatever reason, was drawn to the draw, ironically. <laughs> so <laughs> I ended up I ended up asking my sister, I think like two, two years ago, two and a half years ago or something like that, if she asked me what I wanted for Christmas. And I was like, all right, well, if you're willing to spend $75 on a on a nine inch lure this is what i want and she she ended up uh telling me she was like oh they didn't have it was sold out and typically that's something that was super believable <laughs> so i was like oh fuck too good to be true but sure enough on christmas there it was i opened it and i had it and i was like i felt like a little kid again like a little little kid for the first time i was like holy shit dude I was like, I'd never seen something so beautiful ever. <laughs> when I saw that that draw, that glide bait for the first time, I was like, holy cow, dude, what even is this thing? And I was just, I like, as soon as I got it, I didn't take it off. And I straight fished it until I caught a fish on it. And so I had caught like one five pound bass on it fishing for snook. The first time I, I took it out and then I caught another small snook at the one of these spillways locally and I was on probably my third session with it and I'm fishing with this kid who doesn't uh well he does fish a lot but he he um Hadn't been fishing a lot recently, so he was kind of rusty. He's been out of the game, and he's definitely not a big bait fisherman, that's for sure. And um, give you guys a little bit of a rundown of what I was using at the time because I, like I said, now I had my own money to buy my own stuff, but I was just getting into the big bait world. So 
I didn't want to go crazy and, you know, buy the three, $400 swim bait rods and, you know, $400 low profile reels and stuff like that, at least right away until I knew what I was getting myself into. And, um, I ended up, I don't know if you are familiar with this company called iRod. Yeah. But, yep. Yeah. So we don't actually, nobody fishes that rod down here in Southeast Florida and that's because, or anywhere in Florida for at least to my knowledge. And that's because, uh, it's primarily a West coast company, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, um, I was doing a lot of scouring and, uh, I guess I'm the kind of person that, you know, I love fishing so much that I'm not just going to buy something to buy it. And I'll take the time to do my research on something and, uh, buy what I think is right. And so I scoured the internet. And I ended up finding this rod, this iRod. I think it's the iRod Genesis 3 8.6 Extra Heavy Mag Swim. I think that's the exact model that I use. And uh, so, yeah, that's the first rod that I ever bought. And I still use it to this day. I highly, highly recommend this rod if you are getting into, you know, I mean, you can catch big bass on it. But, I mean, the 8.6 Extra Heavy is kind of overkill. I would say it's more of like a musky pike, snook, you know, big, big, big fish type deal or setup. And, uh, yeah, so I was using that exact rod. And I, at first, I actually spent some time on the West Coast in Oregon. And I worked at this tackle shop called uh, Fisherman's, Fisherman's, I think it was called, Fisherman's Outdoor or something like that. And I ended up getting a good deal on a Daiwa Luna 253. If you guys are into reels, that is a swimbait reel. It's all gold. It's comparable to the uh, Calcutta 200. But if you guys are in the market for a swimbait reel, I probably would not go with that one due to the fact that the anti-reverse goes bad. And fishing big swimbaits, it's so annoying not having... (laughs) a good anti-reverse mechanism and a reel. So definitely don't pick that one up if you guys are in the market for a reel, but that's what I was using at first. And, um, yeah, I had this draw tied on. It's the third session. Now we're back caught up to speed and I'm fishing with this kid who doesn't do much fishing at the time. I had grown up fishing with him, gone to school with him and we fish whatever. And, he just wasn't in he just wasn't in the game i guess this day and i'm fishing actually at the spillway where i grew up fishing that i was telling you across the street from my dad's work and this is why this story will tie into the story where uh i was telling you guys earlier and you'll see why and so i'm at the spillway and it's flowing so a lot of these spillways are like dinner bells i mean i don't know how because i know there's dams and spillways and other places but those are like you know either runoffs from big lakes but you know they don't connect straight to the ocean so with ours the way that they work is when they're on it's like a dinner bell basically like when these snooks see that these spillways are on especially in certain areas of florida there's more fish than others. I mean, the opportunities are almost endless, which is why I think spillway fishing is some of my favorite to do because you know that the fish are there, especially if you're keying in on, you know, when these spillways turn on and when they're off. 
Mm-hmm. You, you, can, you can easily get on a good bite. And that's, that's everything when it comes to snook fishing is timing and conditions. And so I actually didn't know that this one was going to be on at the time. And we got there. It was on and there was a bunch of action going on, but we weren't getting any hits. And every spillway has a saltwater side and a freshwater side. And some places are more saltwater and some are more fresh than others. And I was fishing on the saltwater side and we're probably like an hour and probably like 30 minutes into fishing with the spillway turned on and the got a pretty pretty good flow it's got a pretty good current going and it all of a sudden shuts off and all of a sudden i see a bunch of headwakes on the top of the water that looked like a bunch of like a pot of mullet getting pushed up to the top of the water by something big and sure enough i cast over there with the draw and I give it, I hit it twice. So when I say I hit it, I give it probably one, two half cranks on my reel to get it to dart, you know, back and forth real quick twice. And then I hit it one more time to get it to do one long glide. And on that long glide, I just feel my freaking line just stop when I go to retrieve my next go around. I set the hook and dude this fish starts running like a freight train dude and i'm like i never like i've obviously believed in the big bait but this was different because like this was the first time i'd thrown the glide or gotten a big fish on the glide bait and this was way bigger than any other hard bait i would use typically so this was like i felt like i was discovering something you know like something crazy and long story short, I, I'm fighting this fish and I get this fish on the bank and uh, there's the draws just sitting right off of this like T-bone. This fish had the, the draw on its mouth and I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, dude, no way. And I'm thinking that this kid is going to grab the snook, but he's scared to grab it because of where the glide bait is. and so. I have the fish beached on the shore and he just has his, my friend has his hand on the snooks, like, like right under his peck fin, basically on the middle of his, like right on his shoulders. And he's looking at me, like starting to celebrate. He's like, yeah, we got it. We got it. I'm like, dude, uh, put your hands in the fish's mouth, please. And sure enough, the fish just starts flopping around, flopping around, flopping around and shook its head one way and threw the through the glide bait and uh flipped back into the water and it was gone dude and i was like i was so heartbroken dude i was so heartbroken and it immediately made me like think about that one time that i was a little kid at that spot when that guy i asked that guy to land that fish for me and uh it the same thing happened. It just it didn't happen and flop back into the water. So damn it, dude. After that, so that dude, that fish to give you an idea how big it was. I know it's kind of hard to gauge when you're just telling a story, but that fish was so big it had a remora on it, and it was like thirty minutes inland. Like 
it was crazy. So the remoras, the remoras, like that, the little fish that suck on a shark. This yeah, snook yeah. had had a, had one of those things swimming on it, and it, dude, it was just. I was like, I saw it, and then it flashed, and then two seconds later, it was gone. <laughs> and I was like, wow, dude. And um, I was like, shit, dude. And my friend looks at me, and he like, I, I'm. I'm a very considerate person, so I really wasn't going to scream. I'm not the kind of guy that was going to scream at him or anything like that. So uh, I just told him it was all right. And after that, he told me that he had to go home. So it was like one in the morning at this time. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, I can't. I cannot end the night like that. I cannot end the night like that. So I drop him off. It's like 1.30 at this time. And I go to this spot that's local to where I live. And everybody, again, everybody and their mom knows this spot. And uh, I pull up. Like, it was, I think it was the first cast after I, after I lost that fish. I called my buddy Harrison on the way to this spot. The one that I was telling you about that I grew up snook fishing with and me and him targeted them and learned a lot about them together i called him and i was like bro you won't believe what just happened whatever and i told him the story about how i had lost that fish right and i i'm basically telling him like all right i just pulled up to the spot i can't end the night like that and i hang up on him and i'm like just jokingly i'm like be ready for a call if i get another one because i don't have anybody to take a picture and i hung up on him and so first cast at this spot this was the meat i mean to this day this was the meanest eat on a glide bait I have ever gotten. It was on the draw. And if you guys are wondering, it was the 4K shad pattern that I was using. And so I cast out, I'm fishing another spillway. And usually when I fish these spillways, um, if they're off, I usually like to fish tight to the structure just because, uh, usually when they're flowing it's hard to keep a bait like right up pinned next to the structure because obviously your bait will get blown out mm-hmm. so i'll fish it next to the structure and so i think the first cast i put it up right next to where the gates would open and i didn't get anything and then the second cast most uh most of these spillways will have an orange buoy line and uh it's to i think uh, stop boats to prohibit boats from coming closer like uh, a certain distance from the spillway and i ended up casting towards these buoys the orange buoys and i gave the draw like three quick twitches i like to fish my glide baits very slow and so i gave the draw three twitches quickly and it was it went like it went side side to side to side really fast. And I saw, dude, it looked like a freaking giant golden flash. I mean, humongous. Just sw- like swirl behind the bait, probably three feet under the water. And it was so big that it made a, a like a, a disturbance. Like it made a boil from under the water from how fast and how powerful it tried to swing on this bait. And I'm like, holy shit, what was that? 
And sure enough, I hit it again one time and gave it that long glide. And when I gave it that long glide, this snook came out from underneath it like a shark almost on a seal and like fully engulfed this this draw. And I wish I had these pictures. I wish there was a way I could show you guys these pictures. But I had like I caught this fish. It was an insane fight. I'm by myself. My phone's about to die. And I had my hands on this fish. Finally, after like probably like five to six minutes fighting it, and I realized as soon as I hooked it, it it jumped and shook its head, and I'm like, "Where's the lure?" I'm like, dude, I don't see it. And I'm like, dude, maybe I'm just seeing things and it's on the other side of its mouth. And sure enough, it jumps again. I'm like, no, dude, I cannot see the freaking lure. Damn. I bring the thing in and that snook had the draw all the way engulfed in its mouth. Like it made the, the draw look like it was like five inches. It was insane. Jeez. It was insane. And this fish was like a different breed. Like I'm sure you go like you've caught bass where you you know like you've caught an eight pound bass but you've caught like a five pound bass that's short and just built like a tank you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like this this fish just had like a crazy body for a snook it was so tall it was so thick and its head was so big for the length that it was it ended up measuring out at 41 uh, I think 41 or 41 and a half inches. But this is where I was saying, like, I don't understand why people measure snook in inches because they differ so much in how much they're, they can weigh in pounds. And this thing was just so big, man. It was just such a gnarly fish. And I caught it like five minutes from my house in a spot that I've grown up fishing. Like, it was just unbelievable. And I called my buddy that I, that I had just had on the phone. I'm like, dude, you need to get over here right now. And sure enough, he, it was like one in the morning or something. And he showed up and he took a picture of me. And that picture is, uh, if you guys want to see the picture of it, it's on my Instagram pinned. It's the third one that's pinned. It is a, that's probably one of the most memorable fish. And, to me, I think that that fish is what really started it all in terms of fish and fowl, Florida and my YouTube and all that kind of stuff, because I ended up sending as soon as I caught that fish, I ended up sending it to Kevin because I had been in touch with Kevin, but we had just been, uh, more talking on like a customer Oh, business owner basis where I was just asking him questions about, you know, what he like different things, like how mm-hmm. did he store his baits and stuff like that over DM. And I ended up sending him this picture and he's like, holy shit, dude. He's like, no fucking way because he's really the only other person down here that throws those, those glide baits. I mean, I, I literally, uh, even to this day, don't know anybody who throws them and people who have thrown them and have started throwing them. I really think are heavily influenced by snook snacks and more specifically Kevin and I. Um, and so to sidetrack from that, 
the next I think it had to be the next day or something. It was either the next day or it was that week. I know it was that week. We ended up getting like a crazy, crazy amount of rain. We ended up getting like a like a record breaking uh, amount of rainfall in our area. And me and Kevin are we live in the same area, like twenty minutes away from each other. So that's why we're able to link up and why we've gotten so close. But we had this super, super crazy amount of rain for like a week. And it was like, it was record breaking. So that goes to show you how, how much it was. We had crazy flooding. It was nuts. And for everybody else, it's a disaster. But for us crazy ass smoke fishermen and any fishermen, it's everybody's like hooting and hollering. We're like, yes, bring on the rain because we want the, the fishing to get good. We want to get on a good bite. And so. Yeah, with that being said, all the spillways turned on. And um, I was fishing another one right by my house. It was like, it had to be either a day after or two days after I caught that one big one th- that I was just telling you about. And um, first cast on the draw, another one, probably like a little bit smaller, probably like 36 inches or so, more closer to like. 10 pounds or 12 pounds somewhere in there a very a very good fish a very good fish i caught another one and i i ended up calling kevin and from that day kevin kept in really good touch with me and because i guess that was his uh that was his uh i guess cue to understand that i'm not that wasn't just like a one and done type deal that i'm like committed to throwing the glide bait because a lot of people will throw it. I've noticed, especially now that I throw it a lot, a lot of people have a, a hard time committing to throwing those big glide baits. And it kind of seems like you have to be a certain kind of person to want to do it consistently and chase the, you know, that one bite rather than trying to chase a bunch of bites. Yeah. And dude, it's just like looking at a snook, it makes sense to, to grind out with, with a big bait, you know, I mean, I guarantee a 30-inch snook would just absolutely pulverize an 8-inch glide, whereas oh, you know, no fishing, fishing a 10, 12-inch glide bait for bass, it's a little bit more, you know, it makes you think a little bit more like, man, a bass is only, not only gets so big, but their mouths only get so big, and like being able to handle, like, are they going to be able to get hooks? And looking at that picture, that snook with the draw down its throat, it's like, okay, like, I guarantee you could probably catch them on a 12-inch glide. You're probably going to give up smaller fish, but you're going to catch fish no matter what, I think. Yeah, and what's cr- that's the thing, you know, people that are shy from, like, they're shying away from throwing the big bait think that they're not going to get as many bites. I swear to you, I've had 15-inch snook eat an 8-inch eight inch glide bait i'm not even kidding you i'm not even kidding you but i totally understand what you're saying too because i look at these 10 inch baits and i'm like wow i mean i can understand using them for smoke but using them for bass is crazy like i have a uh g-rat papa pete we acquired g-rat on mm-hmm. smoke snacks so i've had uh i've been fortunate enough to be fishing those for the past uh few weeks and man that 10 inch bait is that's a big bait to throw for bass man that's a big yeah, dude, You definitely yeah. got to be committed to it. Yeah, and dude, I want to go down there 
have what uh, have you like seen guys catching striper on swim baits and is that something that you think you could get into too or you think you're just married to the snook now uh i think i honestly i have this idea in my head and i don't even know if it's true but i think that all like bucket mouth species of fish are very similar like snook striper barramundi grouper and freaking australia coral trout all of them i feel like are predatory towards the same like you could fish for all those fish in the same style if that makes sense yeah you yeah, know for sure the murray cod or whatever those things are that catch in uh, australia mm-hmm. i'm honestly interested in doing all that like i i don't shy i don't uh want to hold myself to just snook fishing and i also do want to shed some light on tarpon because tarpon are freaking awesome too they're just so hard to keep pinned but um yeah we've also been hooking some big tarpon on on glide baits but to go back to what you're saying absolutely i mean if i have the mean like if i have the time to travel and i mean i'm doing this youtube so i mean the goal obviously is to start doing that full time god willing and if that ends up being the way my life goes i'm going to be all over the place throwing glide baits and i do have these aspirations to honestly start catching snook on every single glide bait that people want to throw at me i want to challenge myself and uh i've gotten i've gotten quite a few knocked off my list so far and uh i'm like i said i'm definitely somebody who's uh in the swim bait game for sure so i'm not afraid of uh spending the money on the on the cool shit that's for sure um i just got i uh, picked up a couple depths 250s and it's the new model they're they're pretty sweet uh it's my first time i ever got my hands on one but that's the next one on my list in terms of uh the next glide bait going down i also want to yeah. get a, 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 a drt clash nine i want to get yeah, one of those yeah. and i want to get a snook on one of those bad because a lot of these glide baits, I mean, people don't realize, like I gave Kevin a, a draw or not a draw. I gave Kevin a, a slide swimmer the other day. Oh, and he caught a fish on it that day. He texted me, sent me a picture of it. He's like, holy shit, dude. <laughs> immediately. And dude, so cool. Dude, he's, he's probably the first one to ever catch a snook on that. You know? Yeah. It, it's so that's crazy. crazy to think about. That's yeah. crazy to think about. And I'm just like, wow, I want to be the first one to do it on all these freaking lures, dude. I mean, dude, people... I could I could send you a list of baits, like, from what you were describing, like, fishing, uh, like, mad, uh, like, the mag spooks and everything. I mean, you could go out there and fish an 8-inch punker and probably just, app- it's a big walking bait. You could probably absolutely slap fish. Or you even got uh, the throwback mob walker, which is, like, a 10 or 12-inch, just absolute massive pie plate of a wake bait. I mean, just so many glide baits out there. Like you could, dude, you could probably throw a different glide bait every other week and catch the same snook because there's just so many options out there for baits. Dude, literally. And I, the thing is, going back to what you were saying about like the striped bass, um, people are already keen in a little bit on the striped bass fishing for with glide baits. You know, yeah. like I've seen people catching uh fish with glide baits uh, like over in new jersey and especially over in california because that kind of translates from the california bat largemouth exactly uh, Vic from fish everything dude he just absolutely pumbles the striper on on big shad and trout glides like just absolutely insane and then uh 
Evan, I just had him on the podcast a little while ago. He lives in Georgia, and I mean, he's just on the same on those fish everything baits too. He like he sent me a picture after he came on the other day, and he's like, "Dude, I just lost the fifty I've been after." But I mean, I think he's got multiple forty pounders in like in some skinny water rivers too. Like we need a jet boat to get up to. Like, dude, it's just absolutely insane how untapped, untouched, and and potential there is between like for these big glide baits for these big predator fish that get overlooked like like bass and musk musky do definitely dude it's it's and especially like they're kind of like you how you're saying it's still low-key over there but people are still doing it just imagine what it's like down here i swear to god bro there's nobody doing it nobody it's crazy and me and me and kevin went on like a terror like he he i i ended up catching those two fish on the draw and he was like okay we definitely got a fish together and i showed him the second fish and he was like you got to start using the glide swimmer by savage gear because he's he's um his website snook snacks is a heavy on selling savage gear it's primarily I mean, we, we sell a bunch of, a bunch of different stuff and we have a lot of different brands of stuff, but Savage gear is a lot of what we sell. And he, he wanted me to use the glide swimmer. And I, and I think the next day I had like a a slot fish. And for you guys who don't know, uh, the snook slot is 28 to 32 inches. I had one probably like 30 to 31 inches eat the eight inch glide swimmer. And right after that, he me i i had spoke to kevin and he told me that he wanted to work out being on like a pro staff type deal and after that he got together a group of guys probably like five or six of us at the time to be on pro staff but i was really the only one that was throwing the glide bait and uh timing was everything it was during this uh flood that like world or that state record flood that we were having so all the spillways were on and it almost seemed like from that time which was i think four months ago now or five months ago i don't know somewhere in there maybe six months ago um oh it seems like the spillways were on for like four months straight it was crazy like it was almost like they were on too much that the fish were like, okay, we don't need to be here anymore. Like that's how often they were on. It was crazy. But we, when they first started pushing in that first week of the flood or in the first couple weeks of the flood, maybe the first month, we really took advantage. Me and Kevin, between the two of us, I mean, we probably caught like 20 fish on glide baits in the span of a month Damn. or two. Yeah, we, we like between the two of us, we were putting in some serious work and like it's really cool to see because like I said, nobody was throwing glide baits. Like we're we're the only ones and he's his website, Snook Snacks, is essentially like unless you're buying your stuff online, the only place that you're gonna really be buying glide baits down here. And um yeah, like we started seeing like well obviously we it was almost like we were posting every other day new fish on a different glide bait or a the same glide bait but a different color, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
it was like it's just something that people aren't seeing down here. I mean, they're seeing these big snook with these crazy colorful freaking giant hard baits hanging out of their mouths. And a lot of people are now like, well, I don't know how long it's been. What did I say? So now like six months later, Kevin's getting a bunch of DMs now. Of people sending him their catches on glide baits, which is just freaking awesome. Just freaking awesome. Dude, I just want to come down there and see if I can replicate how I fish my baits up here. And it just, like, even opened the door even more for you guys down there. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, I would have never thought that you could fish it like this or get them to respond like that. Like, dude, I just want to come down there and see if I can catch one. I just want to fucking catch one. That's all. <laughs> dude, if you get down here, there's no doubt that we can make it happen. That's for sure. Between me and Kevin, we'll definitely get you out there and get you on the snook. And we would love to do it because we don't have many people who, who are into throwing the big hard baits with us. It's always just me and him telling each other stories <laughs> about what we had hit our baits th- uh, this day. <laughs> Dude, I'll come um, down there. We could try to catch one on the mother, on the Roman made mother. That'd be a hoot. Dude, I, w- I wish I could get my hands on one of those, dude. <laughs> Maybe one day. Maybe one yeah, day. I mean, but... Go ahead. There's, there's some baits that, that are just absolutely massive that I think you could just probably catch fish that you had no idea were, were around there. I mean, you got the Depths Gura Gura, the Mother, the DRT Ghost. I mean, that, there the are the, the Dock Rat, the Dock Rat 16 inch. I mean, just some absolute massive baits. Yeah, dude. All right now, I think the biggest, well, the biggest one that I've got in my hands on is the, is a 10 inch, is a 10 inch bait. I know Savage Gear has something in the works. I know. Um, we were talking to a few other people, but for now, I think the Papa Pete is the biggest one we have in our lineup on Smoke Snacks. Mm. And I, I don't know if you've thrown that bait by G Rat, but man, they freaking wallop the big baits, dude. I mean, it's almost like the bigger the bait is, the harder they hit it. It's crazy. Yeah, dude, if you want to get. Have you tried swimmers at all, like multi-joint, like uh, no-bill, just hard multi-joints? So there's one that I've played around with a little bit, and my friend actually has been successful with. It's called the uh, foreplay. It's, I think, a three-jointed jerk. jerk. It's called, like, it's, it's labeled as, like, a jerk and swim. You could straight retrieve it, and it swims like a, has, like, that snake almost. Mm-hmm. like a snake swimming motion or you could jerk it and it does like that that quick s through the water yeah but uh i don't typically venture too far into the multi-jointed baits i primarily like fishing the single jointed uh single jointed ones i've been really interested in uh the fit like it's funny that you were talking about fish everything because me and kevin were just talking about it they have this I think it's a 12 inch. I don't know what it's called, but I think it's a 12 inch glide bait and it's a slender profile and it uh, looks yeah. crazy, dude. It glides like three feet each way, maybe more. Hold it's on. Crazy. Is it this one? Hold on. I'll send you a picture on Instagram. <clears throat> uh, uh, but yeah, dude, I mean, there are, uh, there's like, 
You've got the ball in 300, which is like a very fluid swimmer that I think you could probably just wallop fish on. Uh, another Japanese bait called the wild beat. And I want to say it's like 11 inches, like very thin, but it just, it probably glides two and a half to three feet each side. Like just an absolute insane glide bait. Yeah. Um, what I think is so intriguing for those of uh, you guys listening that think, oh, I mean, I'm sure most of you guys that are listening are in the big swim bait game. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening. But if you guys aren't and you guys are wondering why it's such an intriguing thing and why, why would people spend so much money on something like this? For me personally, I really think that glide bait fishing is so technical that it really improves your fishing skill every single bait that you use. For example, if you're fishing a paddle tail, like a soft swim bait or a jerk bait or whatever, any any other lure, you could you can have a similar style action, like a similar style method of working a rapala x wrap versus a yozuri crystal minnow and you'll still catch a fish on it whereas Mm -hmm. if you're using a nine inch uh draw versus a g-rat 10 inch papa pete versus a seven inch savage gear shine glide you have to fish all three of those differently and you have to key in on that and it's almost like a challenge. So every, every lure that you get, every lure that you buy is a challenge. And not only is it a challenge, but it's, they're super aesthetic. I mean, it, it, you're fishing with something that's super fucking cool. And if you like, imagine being able to catch a fish on something like that. And on top of that, fishing that lure forces you to be more in tune fisherman with what you're doing. So it's almost like a, a win, win, win so to speak in terms of challenging yourself and making yourself better every single time you go out. And, um, another thing, like I was saying, you do, you might have to fish a lot longer before you do get those bites. But like I said, it allows you to pay attention to a lot more things that you wouldn't pay attention to where if you're fishing conventionally, like for example, since I've started fishing these really big monster monsters baits, I picked up on things at spots that I wouldn't have picked up on if I was using a, you know, a a three inch lure or whatever, you know, I'm paying attention to different things and I'm paying attention to different patterns than I would if I would be fishing conventionally. Yeah, it, dude, I don't know. It's just, it's very, it really changes you as a, as a, fishermen and just kind of the way you think fishing a big bait you realize that oh like i'm eliminating a lot of small bites but i'm upping my chances at a, at a bigger fish looking to have a bigger meal and, and not like use as much energy to chase down a bunch of three inch you know mullet compared to a big 10 inch mullet type thing absolutely it's almost like you're 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 trying to understand the patterns of the bigger fish only where when you're fishing regularly, you're just trying to understand the fish. You know what I mean? It's almost like a whole different animal that you're trying to figure out, which is honestly, I think the coolest aspect of it is just being able to see how differently they react. And it's, it's like so much, it's so worth the time. It's so worth the time. It really is. 
especially if you're somebody who really loves it and you really think that you can be somebody who potentially wants to do something like this it's worth your time man it really it really is yeah dude it uh and and like you said it being untapped down there i mean just like i said i could send you a list of baits that you could probably take out of the package take out of the mailbox and probably go down and catch a good size snook within the day like there's just so many freaking options out there and it's it's cool because you're tapping into it much like I am up here. I mean, I've been doing it for uh, a lot of years now, but it's still like there's just so much water that these fish have never seen a glide bait in. And where it's different up here is like it's not catching on. Like I don't hardly ever see anybody fishing a swim bait that I don't know up here. Whereas you were saying like people messaging Kevin and stuff like with, with glide baits, it just you know, people have seen the results and nobody's made an advance on it. And it's, it's probably because the price tag is something that catches people off guard. But I mean, it's, I would say it's, it's worth it. If you're, if you're wanting to catch good fish and, and catch fish that are pressured and, and won't eat a drop shot or eat a crankbait because they've seen it a hundred million times before. It's just the exactly. glide bait is just the hot thing right now. And it's, I hope it stays like that for a while because I don't want to stop catching fish anytime soon. <laughs> Oh, definitely. And I don't think I, like I said, I think it takes a certain kind of person to pick it up and stay consistent with it, which is weird that there's like this, uh, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like a like niche this stig- that does it. like this stigma behind throwing it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like some people, even like I've had people who I've, I've brought one person and caught two, I caught two giant snook right in front of him and then hooked like a 150 plus pound tarpon out of spillway and then gave them my rod and they proceeded to catch a 40, a 40 incher like in the, on the first cast. And they're like, yeah, I'm not throwing the glide bait. It's like, what are you talking about? Bro? Yeah. Dude, that's <laughs> like, so what crazy. are you talking about? It's because he's like, I think he went like one time without me and through his like a different glide bait than what I had was throwing and he didn't catch anything. He was like, Oh yeah, I'm done throwing it. Yeah, but, dude. If people don't see the results that, that they saw you or, or, you know, somebody online have, they just completely dismiss it. Like, Oh, those won't, that those won't work here. Those don't work here type attitude. Definitely. Definitely. Um, it's something that also, also crazy that I just thought about is we just saw, the other probably about a month a month ago or so maybe two months ago now that our local bass pro shop just started stocking savage gear glide baits the same ones that uh we have been using and promoting on snook snacks which is i think heavily influenced by what me and kevin have been doing which is also pretty freaking crazy if you think about it yeah dude that's so badass that's so dope to hear so crazy so crazy so Hell crazy yeah, but uh kind of wrapping it up a little bit what uh what's your setup now we kind of talked about what you'd first used and kind of what you had found with the eye rod and stuff but what's the go-to setup if you're going down there and you you're planning on tangoing with a 40 40 plus inch uh snook or you know 150 pound tarp and what's the what's the go-to setup for you yeah, so I actually have stuck with this iRod that I had first bought. I mean, it 
for what I have found, it is a it has a very parabolic blank. Even though I think when they're two piece at the handle, I think that's called ferruled, right? A ferruled rod. Uh, I'm not gonna act like I know, but that sounds like something I've heard before. Well, whoever's listening, don't kill me for messing that up. But I think it's called a ferruled rod. Um, but yeah, for it being two piece the way that it is, the blank is a magic stick when it comes to throwing hard baits because it's so parabolic. It has a good bend all the way throughout the blank from the handle all the way to the tip. And in my opinion, that is everything when it comes to getting a good hook set when fishing a hard bait is having that good bend all the way throughout the bank, the blank, because I think the time frame that you have with a stiffer rod because personally, I think stiffer rods should be um, more catered towards using soft baits. Yeah. Yep. Um, so using a stiffer rod, you the the time that you have to pull it out of the fish's mouth is a lot greater than you would having that bend because that bend essentially slows the time down of like the the time frame that you have to get the hooks into the fish. So. I ended up sticking up with that or sticking with that rod for that reason. Um, I did make a few modifications to it though. Um, I'm not a very built guy. I'm, uh, pretty skinny. So that rod comes split grip right out of the, uh, right out of the box. So I ended up fishing it obviously like that split grip for a long time. And, when I've gotten on hot bites, catching fish after fish using, uh, like paddle tails and jigs and stuff moving into the inlet scenarios, like fishing jetties and stuff like that. You like fishing stuff more heavy down towards the bottom, setting the hook over and over again, that split grip, um, which bruised my ribs. So what I ended up doing is I ended up asking one of my buddies, uh, shout out to Ryan McKay over at R&B Custom Rods. He actually did a custom full grip on my rod for me. So it looks almost identical to how Leviathan does their um, oh, the full scale? grip rods. Yeah. yeah. But mine is mine has a, a fatter foam grip. So it's not as thin and it provides a lot of uh, padding when you're hook setting i mean don't want to sound like a pussy but definitely after a while after a lot of hook sets it, it, it the blank rubbing on your bare ribs gets to you um so yeah i use that rod so it's the eight six genesis three i rod and i think it's called the extra heavy mag swim so that's the rod that i'm using obviously i said that that daiwa luna 253 is no good i ended up buying a Revo Toro Beast, um, a high speed. I think it's a Revo Toro Beast 60. Is it the so white one? It's no, it's the almost like gunmetal colored one. Okay, yeah, yep. It's the, I think it's the BST 60 HS is the like the model number of it. Um, it's a great reel. It puts out upwards, I think, 25 to 27 pounds of drag. Um, and it's super smooth, super comfortable. It's light. And if you look at the, uh, if you compare it to like the reels in the same realm, which would be 
the Tranks 400, the Lexa 400, the Komodo, all those reels have something that is a little bit of a disadvantage, in my opinion, in comparison to the Revo Toro Beast. You get about, I use 50 pound braid on this reel, so I get just about 300 yards. So just shy of 300 yards. So probably around like 280 to 290 yards of 50 pound power pro, which is what I use. Um, I think that's more line cap than what the tranks has. And, um, I also think that it is lighter than the first two models that Lex, that the Lexa comes in by Daiwa. And then Mm -hmm. the third model that comes out by Daiwa, I'm pretty sure is like almost 400 bucks but it is like 11 ounces and that one is the lightest one on the market. So all in all, if you look at everything full and full, in my opinion, I thought that this reel was the best bang for the buck. Um, in hindsight, I really, really like the Calcutta 400 B for the price things like the Glock of fishing reels, in my opinion, you can't go wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. and the only thing in my opinion that, uh, I think, could be problematic when it comes to snook and tarpon fishing with that thing is some would argue that it doesn't have enough drag but nowadays you could just swap the drag washers out for the carbon text uh smooth drag washers and uh add a a couple more pounds and i think i'm definitely going to get my hands on one of those and do that eventually for sure but uh to continue yeah i I use the irod with the revo toro beast and 50 pound braid and I absolutely turn fish with that rod, no problem. I actually um, caught a 200-pound grouper at a oh spillway at a, uh, on a swim bait. So have you seen uh, Savage Gears trout, like their line-through trout series? Yeah, yeah. The Is that, that, is that a part of the pulse? Or is, I, I know what you're talking about. I just didn't know if, there was, if that was part of the pulse or if it was a different one. It's a different one. It's it's a soft it's a soft swim bait, but it has it's segmented. It has yes, seg- I know what you're talking about. That's like their OG tail. swim baits they came. Yeah, out with. they're OG exactly. I was using that bait. Make this story short because I know we've been going on a little bit long oh, here. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was using that that uh trout by Savage Gear eight inch trout with the exact setup i was just telling you and every time i'm snook fishing by the way i'm running 80 pound leader and that's that's uh what i found to be my sweet spot um if you're using soft baits or line through baits fishing for snook they tend to eat them a lot deeper than if you were to use a glide bait so if you're somebody who does think that uh fish are leader shy you can bump your leader down a little bit on a glide bait just because a lot of the times, probably like nine out of 10 times, they're not really getting the bait in their mouth. So a lot of the times you're not even getting any fray when you're fishing a glide bait. But on the contrary, when you're fishing a line through bait or a soft bait, it's usually almost swallowed and you're almost completely frayed to, to non-existence. It's mm-hmm. crazy. But yeah, yeah to continue... Crazy. Um, I was fishing that exact setup, 80 pound leader with a brown trout colored out of all colors, a brown <laughs> trout colored trout. And, um, I was casting, a, a parallel to this rock line and it was 
I couldn't have casted more than two feet off of the rocks. And it's like a gradual, it was like boulder. So it was like gradual boulders, like going down into the slope into the, of the bank into the water. And it looked like an alligator just freaking it ate on the top. This grouper ate on the top and I, it was pitch black at night and it was so close to the shore that I thought it was an alligator. It was such a big commotion that it had caused. And, um, long story short, I had fought this thing for an hour with Kevin and he was there and, uh, we were convinced that it was an alligator, but it had never come up through that whole entire fight. So halfway through, we were kind of like, holy shit, man, this is, we got to at least see what this is. And, uh, as exhausted as I was, I ended up pulling through and we saw it and it ended up being a huge Goliath grouper in a brackish water system, which is freaking crazy and we heard or i they always told that one other person has done it before at the place that i was at and it's been a problem that multiple people hook them but they can never get them up but from what i understand i'm like the second person ever to do it like that and uh, i'm telling you the story because uh even though the rod that i was using the eye rod is um only 145 bucks and it's a good rod to get for a budget that's your proof right there that that rod is can withstand big fish i mean yeah i had no business catching that fish and that rod actually held up to it and i was completely shocked that i ended up prevailing over that one so if, fucking crazy if you, guys wanna, if you guys want i mean i'm not affiliated with irod or anything but if you guys want to save some money and i'll have a good rod it's been something that's been really really good for me and i still to this day use it and um i'm actually i have this uh i'm i'm working with this one uh rod builder to build me a new rod that is specifically for glide bait fishing only and so now even though i have one set up i very soon probably within the next month or so i should be having a uh a glide bait specific rod, which uh, I'm really excited for. I actually have an old school Japanese reel that I'm going to be using in uh, in place for the I rod because the Revo Toro Beast will go on this new rod that I'm getting built out specifically for glide bait fishing. Hell yeah, dude! That's fucking sweet as hell. I'm sure you'll probably post about that when uh, when when you get it and when the time comes. No, absolutely, yeah. I'm definitely going to post about that. And uh, now that we've done this podcast, dude, uh, I, I will be keeping in touch with you frequently, sending you big bait shit and stuff like that. So we'll definitely be keeping in touch. And anything that I do when it comes to the big bait realm, I'll shoot you a DM. And I'd like to see some stuff that you're doing too. So if you could do that, that'd Hell yeah, be awesome. Dude. I, uh, I've, I've got an idea that I want to talk to you and Kevin about that uh, that we'll talk about after this. But yeah, uh so so when you uh geez oh Pete's, where can uh where can people follow you on instagram what's the instagram handle so people can can see these fish that we've been talking about tonight yeah absolutely um the fish or the fish sorry my instagram handle is fish n foul underscore florida so that's fish the letter n f-o-w-l underscore f-l that is my instagram and my youtube is fish and foul florida with no underscore so both of them are similar 
you can find all the links on my Instagram. If you guys want to follow me, you don't feel like you have to, but it'd be super appreciated if you did. Um, I'm somebody who, if you couldn't tell by this podcast, I'm somebody who's very determined and very dedicated to fishing. And specifically now I'm in this big bait game pretty seriously. And I'm consistently posting pictures and, uh, trying to get a lot of video together because I'm starting to get this YouTube going pretty seriously now. Um, so yeah, we're having a lot of content posted, uh, primarily with big swim baits and, uh, we're about to start getting into the duck hunting content as well. So I'm about to be a lot more active, um, expect for a lot more stuff to be coming weekly, honestly. Um, yeah, with this hunting season coming, I have a lot of, uh, ambitions um and i have a lot of plans for this season and uh i really want to see where this can go um i'm really excited and i'm really happy that you had me today and um if any of you guys have any questions for me um please feel free to reach out to me i have no problem letting you guys know what i'm using how i'm using it what i'm doing and um how I, I have no problem helping you guys get on the bite however i can so please feel free to reach out to me on my instagram or however on my youtube comments however you guys want to reach out to me go ahead hell yeah dude and as always i'll put all josh's stuff in the description so you guys go follow him on uh, on youtube and instagram if you guys uh, don't follow him already go check out some snook stuff everybody always talks about they want to hear hear from guys who who don't only bass fish so this is always a good change of pace getting to hear these guys talk about snook and I'm sure down the road, uh, Kevin and Josh and I will do a roundtable talking about Snook, kind of do a little <laughs> Snook snacks episode and kind of just just shoot the shoot the shit talking about Snook and, and big swim baits. So you guys can look forward to that as well. Like I said, all Josh's stuff will be in the description so you guys can go follow him. Uh, as always, the uh, make sure you guys follow the podcast on Instagram if you don't already, scales and tails underscore media, as well as uh, keep your eye out. <clears throat> when you guys hear this, the uh, the next zine, uh, probably will be dropped already and probably a pre-order opened up. Uh, they'll be first available to the Patreon guys as well as um, September 30th at the Universe Gathering. And then after that, the pre-orders will go out to everybody else who wasn't able to attend and picked one up. So issue three, super, super dope. I'm excited for you guys to uh, to get issue three and I'm excited to start working on issue four. And uh, like I said, Patreon guys get first dibs as well as automatically get entered into the monthly sticker giveaway we do but I think that's everything. Get off my soapbox here. So like I said, I want to thank Josh for coming on. Make sure you guys go follow him and just get to keep up with all this badass snook stuff that's happening on, on glide baits and swim baits and stuff. Super cool to see. It's always, it's always interesting to be scrolling through Instagram and, and see a guy holding up a 40 inch snook with a, with a, with a G rat hanging out of its face. Like, Oh, that's not, a, that's <laughs> not a green fish. That's it's always, it's always fun to see. So Josh, thank you for coming on. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and I'll talk to you guys next time. See you guys.